Well, here's the question. There's no joke today because we don't have time, but it's okay. You're going to make it. We'll come back next week for the little joke. But here's, here's a question I have to you. What do you do when you're totally discouraged? And I know no one here has ever been in that place before, but maybe you will one day or you know someone that is. But what do you do when you're totally discouraged, when everything seems to be going against you, when you, seem just, you just can't catch a break? What is it you do? We've been in a series called The Power of Ziklag, and, and really... All, all the past three weeks have really been leading up to this one thing. Because I believe if you can learn today what we're going to talk about, then you're going to finish the race well. You're going to finish. I, I, I don't want you to be a person who starts the race, but you don't finish the race. So let's talk, talk about David a little bit out of 1 Samuel chapter 30. Let me read real quickly verse 1 through 4 and then 6. And it came to pass when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziklag, and they had, and they had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. And it, taking the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but they carried them away and went on their way. And so David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice. They wept. They had no more power to weep. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man was grieving for his sons and for his daughters, but David, and here we go, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Turn to your neighbor, touch him on the shoulder, and tell him, you need to learn this right now. Turn to your other neighbor and tell him he meant what he said. Come on, he meant what he said. Ziklag was David's home while he was, had a little side job, home for 600 men as a small village. And it wasn't an easy place. It was actually located in a desert area. But they were making ends meet. I mean, they never had lots of money probably left over at the end of the day, but they were getting by, and, and there were struggles. But it was a transition season for David. He didn't know this at the time. Perhaps his thought was, is this the way it's always going to be? Hand to mouth, struggling the way we are. But for us now, looking back, we can realize that it was a proving season for David. I don't know if you realize this sometimes, but you've been made kings and priests. And when God gives you the authority of a king, he just doesn't give it to whomsoever he wants, just whimsically. He gives you the authority of the kingdom once you've gone through sometimes a proving season. And so David is in this time where before he's ever a king, that God's literally proving his heart. And so we're in this series called The Power of Ziklag, and this would be the Dave, David's lowest point of his life. From this point on, his life would take a sharp turn upward, and his life would never, ever be the same. But there was something I believe God wanted to see in his reaction and in his response when everything was against him. People were against him. He'd lost everything. It seemed like his life had come to nothing but ruins, and the question is, what will you do when everything's upside down and seems like against you? Will you throw in the towel? Will you fold it all in? Will you walk away and say God's not real? 
Will you walk in discouragement the rest of your life? Will you turn to the world? What are you going to do when you love the Lord and yet nothing seems to be working out in your favor? This is good already. I'm already excited about this. What are you going to do? Because God wants you to know what to do. And so we're going to talk about this. One more, now, just a review, just some of you weren't here perhaps the last couple of weeks. And first of all, we want to say welcome to you watching online and all those watching from the Baldwin County Correctional Center. We welcome you. We love you. We think you're absolutely awesome. And thank you for being with us online. But we want, to, we want to catch this up real quick. Six things you need to know to finish the race. Number one, expect seasons of stretching. I'm not going to go back into these. We don't have time. Expect seasons of stretching. Number two, don't allow myself to be encircled or flanked or beware of temptations, in other words. Number three, take responsibility for those that God has given you. Number four, guard against other people's depression and other people's hopelessness because it's all around you. And number five, expect times of loneliness. I know you didn't want to hear that, but you got to be real. Expect times of loneliness. And here we go. We're going to talk about today. You have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Let's look at this again. Chapter 30, verse 6. David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. So basically, he was just moments away from his last breath. Every promise that he had received from Samuel the great prophet seemed to be nowhere to be found. And because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his sons and daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, in the Hebrew, that word encourage means to be resolute, to fasten upon, or to tie fast. So I decided the best way to, uh, to prove this point is to bring in some, some sharpshooters here. So I'm going to ask Clint... Representative, come on, brother, of the Father, and Jason, representative of the, of the Son, and Rick, the Holy Spirit. Come on up, guys, and uh, help me preach this morning. Amen? Hello, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Glad to have you with us. Now, the word encourage means to tie fastly, to be resolute, to tie. So I'm going through a season of trouble or I'm very discouraged. And so I need to encourage myself. So what do I need to do? I need to find the Father, come Father. I need to find the Father and I need the Holy Spirit to tie me to his heart and tie me to his life. And I need... The son, Jason, my brother, Jesus. And what is happening is the Holy Spirit is allowing me to find my encouragement. Things have been tough. Things haven't been easy. But if you look up, you'll find there's encouragement around the corner. You're always going to have the Father. He never leaves you or forsakes you. You have his Son who did everything in his power to give you all the authority in the earth, and you have his Holy Spirit with you all the time, just making sure that you stay tied closely to your help. And so you walk through life. 
We'll take a little journey. Oh, man, I got to go in for this job interview, and I, oh, I'm feeling a little... I'm feeling a little anxious about this. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm just not sure if I, I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to answer all the questions. I, oh, God, oh, God, I need your help. I, I need you to encourage me right now. I need to sense your strength in my life, Holy Spirit. Jesus, come right now and just fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. I, I need you. I don't know how, what I'm going to say, but I, I remember you said that, that if I would open my mouth, you'd fill it. So I, I'm going to walk by faith and not by my sight, and I'm, I believe, Lord, if this isn't the job for me, you got a better one waiting for me, so I'm going to open this door with all the courage I got because I'm encouraged in you today, so let's go have a little interview. Come on. This is how you live your life. Mm. Or, or let's just take a little journey down the steps, Jesus. And so we walk. I'm going rogue. I'm going rogue. <laughs> and so, and so, so we're going. It's the first day of school. I'm at a new school. You know how scary it is to be the first day at school at a new school and you don't know anybody. I, you know what? I, I don't. I don't know about you, but I need a little encouragement right now. Uh, they may look at me, and I may be dressed funny. I may not fit in. I, I may not even have a friend. I might have to sit at a cafeteria table by myself. Everybody be staring at me. I know I'm not talking to nobody on this front row, but maybe. And so what do you need? What do you need? You need encouragement. You got to remind yourself, y'all, everybody look at me in the eyeballs. Y'all looking down. Come on now. Look, look at me in the eyeballs. You need encouragement. You have to encourage yourself because courage is with you. It's available. Courage you don't even know you have. And you tie yourself to the courage that has been given to you and you realize who you are, that you're just not a nobody, but you're a king and a priest and you're walking up into this school and they're lucky you're even here. Come on, somebody. Well, I gotta, I gotta find me a wife. I gotta find me a, you know, I gotta find me a wife. I have my eye on this girl right over there. <laughs> Sitting right over there, Jesus. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But she's prettier than any girl I've ever seen in my life. She can play basketball like no one's business and she can beat me. Let's go tie her too. <laughs> 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 oh, maybe I can find a finger, one of my fingers if you let go just long enough to <laughs> tie myself to her but I, I want to ask her out, but oh my goodness, I, she probably, she's going to turn me down. I'm a nobody. I'm just a nobody from Missouri. She don't want nothing to do with me. Oh God, I need some help. I need some help. Thank you, Father. Thank you, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Woo! I'm going to talk to this woman, and she's going to be so thankful I entered into her life. She's not going to know what hit her. She's going to be hit by JP, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Come on up. Hey, sweetheart, you want to go out with me today? Woo! Amen. Come on. Thank you. Come on. Give it up for Jesus and God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it so much, man. Awesome. Appreciate you guys.
You have to learn how to catch yourself because the enemy wants to trip you up. Everything's a sermon. Because there will come times in your life, you know, sweetheart, you're not going to have a cheerleader over in your corner. You're not going to have no life coach. You're not going to have some motivational speaker come roll up into your living room and sit you in a chair and start telling you about how great you are. You might not even have a spouse uh, that even treats you right or thinks you're somebody. Your kids may have turned their back on you and the dog might have bit you when you come in the door. You're going to have these moments in your life uh, when you don't have anything to lean on. But I'm here to tell you this morning, uh, you, even though you don't have an attaboy, even though you don't have no one tapping you on the shoulder, telling you how good things are and how good God is, uh, you can always go to God and, and you can learn how to encourage yourself uh, in the Lord. Listen to me. All you up in the, in the jail cell and watching online, you're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself because no one else is going to be in your corner. But you've got to walk into that judge's chamber and you've got to encourage yourself and say, God is with me. God is with me. Listen, saying, if you don't learn how to encourage yourself, I fear you may not make it through this thing. This is so important. I was sharing with the worship team before we came uh, on the platform today. I've said, this, of all the things I know about God in my life, if I can put things like in categories of the top five, this would be right in the top five. I promise you I would not be standing here in front of you today in all of my flaws and weaknesses if I had not learned how to encourage myself in the Lord. Because I promise you, you've got a ziklag in your future. Turn your neighbor and tell him it's tight, but it's right. Come on. Go, come on, come on, help me. Say it's tight, what is right. Encouragement begins long before you arrive at Ziklag. So you ask yourself, how do I encourage myself in the Lord? It's interesting to me that David said, Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, come, please. Abiathar was the priest that traveled. He was, Jesus, he was David's personal pastor. He was the man of God for the season, for the moment. In David's life, he was the voice of the Lord, if you would. Abiathar, come, please. Now, what's interesting about Abiathar, his name is very powerful. It literally means this, that my father is great. In order to encourage yourself, you have to remind yourself, number one, that God is good. No matter what's going on in your life, you've got to always drop back to this one position and say, I don't know why and what's going on, but I do know one thing. God is Do you hear what the doctor just said? Yeah, well, you know, I don't. God's good. Honey, have you looked at our bank account lately? Do you see what? We don't have no money. Well, I. It's 
Sweetheart, you know you got a flat tire? You know your son snuck out of the house last night? You're figuring this out. Encouragement begins by focusing always on the greatness of God. The moment you even entertain the idea or the thought that maybe God's not always good, you've already lost the race. Because my Bible says, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So I don't know how the story's going to end, but I know one thing. Right now in the middle of this zigzag moment, uh, my God is So A.B. Athar, wouldn't you like to have that guy around all the time? Because every time he said A.B. Athar, he's saying God's good. A.B. Athar, God is good. Hey, A.B. Athar, God is good. Let's go out to eat. God is good, A.B. Athar. God is good. And then secondly, he put on the ephod. So David said to A.B. Athar, priest, Himlik's son, I pray thee, Bring me hither, the ephod. I like that word, hither. I, I, I was teaching a little bit of this to our, our small group on Monday mornings that I lead, and, and uh, one of the guys came up to me afterwards. He goes, you know, that, that's my favorite line in the whole Bible. I said, what? He goes, that one right there. I said, what? He said, bring me hither, the ephod. I said, that's your favorite line? He goes, yeah, but you have to say it in the right tone. I said, what do you mean? He said, you have to say like, you know, like, like Darth Vader's on, bring me hither the ephod. <laughs> it just sounds Star Wars like, you know, you know, bring me hither the ephod. But I don't think he probably sounded like that when he said that. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. The ephod. The ephod was what the priest put on before he went to go minister to the Lord. From time to time, we'll be going somewhere. My wife will say, honey, you ready? And I'll be sitting there waiting on her. <laughs> not true. She knows that's not true. She's waiting on me. But if it was true, I would be sitting there and I would say, oh, yes, sweetheart, I'm ready. What does this mean? I'm putting on my jacket, meaning I'm ready for the event to take place that we've been waiting for. We all have an ephod somewhere around us that we can put on. Now, it's interesting to me, to me that, that, that A.B. Athar was the one that was supposed to be wearing this. My question is, why isn't David's saying, A.B. Ether, you need to go put on that ephod. We need to talk to God. It is, I'm just presuming, very possible that David looked over at his man and he saw a big old rock in his hand. Because the Bible said they all turned against him. Perhaps even A.B. Ether had a rock in his hand. Or even A.B. Ether was crawled over in the corner, just falling apart, and David's like, 
Well, I can't call on him because he don't even, he, he, he's not even making it himself. And sometimes you got to move past religious ways. And you got to say to yourself, you know what? I know religion says I got to do this, do that, and jump through this hoop and jump through that. And I, but, but you know what? I'm desperate right now. I don't have time for A.B.A. Thar, the preacher, to get his act together. I don't have time for, you know, my uncle who's always there for me to, to, to be there. I, I don't have time. I, 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 I'm in a pinch. And you know what? Go, go get me. Go get me this thing. Because when you put on the ephod, what you were doing was saying, I'm getting ready to go have a meeting with God. We're going to talk. We're going to have a conversation, and I'm going to go into his presence. And So you wouldn't come into the presence unless you had your ephod on. So David said, you know what? I don't know of anybody else's presence around here, but nothing but raw discouragement and sorrow and pain, and everybody's grieving and mad and angry and upset. So I'm going to go grab an ephod, and I'm going to go have a meeting with God. Ephod, grab me that ephod. I'm going to have a little talk with Jesus. And so he puts on the ephod, and he puts formality to the side. It goes out the window because he's out of options. He's all alone. No one cares. No one's in his corner. Everyone has rejected him. And in David, here's the key right here. Listen to this. David's entire future rests upon this moment. Because if David fails in this moment, then how can God give him all the authority that is, that, that is waiting for him to have to sit on the throne of Israel and lead Israel into the greatest season of Israel's history? How can God give him all this authority and all of this power if he cannot pass this one test? God's waiting. What will my man do when everyone's turned their back? Everyone has rocks in their hand and all the cars are stacked against them. What's my man going to do? Bring me the ephod. Because I'm getting ready to tell my God how good he is. Listen, all, all of us have an ephod. You know, Isaiah said it like this in chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You have a garment, an ephod, sitting over in the corner waiting for you to grab, and it's called the garment of praise. And you got to pick up that garment of praise and say, I don't care if all hell is busted loose against me. I'm going to put my praise on. I'm going to put my garment of praise because I feel heaviness all around me. I feel like a black preacher wanting to preach right now. Ah! Ah! Ah, I feel heaviness all around me, but my God. I can go there if you want. I preached in a predominantly black church one time, and they about killed me. They about killed me. They started busting out on point number one, their handkerchiefs, and I thought I was going to have a stroke. I preached so hard. 
Ephesians 5, verse 20, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Point number three, pray and inquire. He put on his praise, and he started praying and inquiring. And when God heard the praise, God sent an answer. I'm going to have our worship team come as I explain to you why you need to praise. If you don't mind, I'm going to take my ephod off for just a moment. It's a little warm up here. Why do I need to praise? Why do I need to praise? Number one, you need to praise because he's worthy. Bottom line, he's worthy of your praise. There's nothing else in your life worthy of praise more than him. Psalms 18.3, I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. You praise because there's some things in your life that only God could have done. But praise is thanking him for things that haven't even happened yet. Praise is thanking him for things that he has done and also what you believe he's going to do. David's got this ephod on and he's like out there about 25, 50 yards from everybody else. They're all boo-hoo and crying, got rocks in their hand, waiting for him to come back so they could have a rock concert. <laughs> and he's out there by himself, and I can hear him. Mm, God, you saved me from the line, Lord Jesus. You helped me, Lord God, take that bear down. Oh, Father God, I thank you that you helped me take down a nine-foot giant and the only place a rock could have hit was right there because everything else was covered up by a shield and iron. And oh God, you directed that stone and you caused a great deliverance to come to the nation that called Israel. Oh, I thank you, Father, you put a prophet in my path when I was just out in the field and no one even knew who I was or what I was about. I was just out there writing songs about you, oh Father, out with a bunch of stinking, smelly sheep, uh, but you sent a prophet my way, one of the greatest voices uh, that the earth's ever experienced called uh, Samuel, uh, and he walked up into my house, and even when my own dad didn't accept me, even my own family rejected me, uh, you caused that prophet to call me out of the field, uh, and he laid his hands upon me, uh, and he anointed me with oil, and he said uh, that you said uh, I would be the next king of Israel. Uh, I don't see where this is heading right now, because everything looks Looks like it's against me, but I'm recalling what you've done for me in the past. Uh, and if you did me for me in the past, uh, I do believe, God, you'll do it for me in the future. Uh, I'm here, oh God, uh, to give you a little praise. Uh, I'm here, oh God, to remind you and to remind me of all you've done and all I believe you're going to do for my life. You got to encourage yourself in the Lord. But I hope, I hope you get this, I hope this resonates inside of you so heavy and so hard. 
that it changes your life like it changed me. And second thing, you gotta praise him because he called you out of darkness. First Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You were a scumbag before you came to Jesus. You were on your last little life until you came to Jesus. Your marriage was falling apart, but Jesus came and he intervened and he set your marriage on a path of healing. Your kids didn't even know who their dad was, uh, didn't know what their mom was about. Uh, you were strung out on drugs. Uh, you didn't have a clue what life was about, uh, had your own issues. Uh, but Jesus reached down uh, out of that uh, place of darkness uh, and he called you uh, into his marvelous light uh, and he put a song in your heart. Uh, encourage yourself in the Lord. He called you out. You should be dead by now. There's some people right in here didn't even think that you would live this long. But Jesus called you out of darkness. Come on, do I have, do I have some big fish people in the house uh, that can give me a shout out? He called you out of darkness. He didn't call you out of darkness just to go through a program. He didn't call you out of darkness uh, just to kind of get a little break uh, from all the mess. Uh, he called you out uh, to deliver you of all the mess uh, and to put you on a path you didn't even know existed. And he made you a priest. Do you know what priests did in the Old Testament? They would carry the ark of God. They would put the ark on their shoulders. They had two staves, four priests, uh, and they would go and they would carry the presence, the ark, the presence of God. And they would go forth and they would give God praise while they walked. Uh, oh God, I love you. Oh God, you're good. Oh God, you're wonderful. Oh God, you're magnificent. Uh, I'm telling you, God's presence uh, comes and invades the earth uh, when he finds a priest uh, who will carry them, him on the shoulders shoulders of praise. Are you going to be a praiser? And that's our last point. My last point. Let me read the scripture first. Yet you, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises. Thank you, Joseph. Enthroned on the praises of your people. God, I don't understand. I read my Bible every week. Where are you at? I, I go to church and I attend small groups. Where are you at? And, and, and I tithe and, and I even give to the building fund. Oh God, and I'm in this mess. I, I'm in this crisis. I, I don't understand, God. What, what, what's, what am I doing wrong? What, what am I lacking? Where are you at in all of this process, God? And God's going, you lack one thing. You lack a praising heart. But if you put the praising heart into your life, my Bible says that he will come and he will sit down in the praises of his people.
Where are you at, God? Where are you at? Did you forget Abiathar lives near you? Did you forget that God is good? Have you forgotten so quickly all that God's done for you and brought you out of? If God never did one more thing for you for the rest of your life, he's already done enough uh, for you to praise him for every breath and every breath you have for the rest of your life. He's looking for some people that don't care what other people think about them. He's looking for some people that are not religious. Uh, he's looking for some people that don't care what they look like, uh, but they're just so glad they've been set free by the Son of God. They're glad they're out of the fire and they don't even smell like smoke. Uh, they're glad that they made it this far and that only God could have done it. Uh, and when God sees somebody that can praise him a little bit, uh, he walks up uh, into your life uh, and he has a seat uh, and he goes, what do we need to do, guys? What do we need to do? because you just invited me into your life because I sit enthroned in the praises of my people. Because if you didn't praise him and he did something good, you think you'd have something to do with it. But he wants to bring you to a place where you realize, by golly, I didn't have nothing to do with this. Only God could have done this. Only God could have done this. Only God could have saved my marriage. Only God could have brought me out of this mess. Only God, only God could have done this. And God is waiting for his people. I'm looking forward to the day when the golf cart drivers are driving up uh, to our beautiful building and the whole cart is rocking with the praises of God's people. Oh, God is good. Oh, my God is good. Oh, God is good. God is good. God is good. Hmm. We don't even have to we just walk in here and before they even hit a, we even hit a cord, there's people lined up from left to right, uh, hands lifted up, uh, tears coming down their cheeks, uh, just grateful that they were able to make it this far, thankful for a loving God that loves them just the way they are. And so here's what I learned to do and I'm, I'm giving you my, my best secret because I don't want it to be a secret. I read in the scripture where God inhabits the praises of his people. And I said, God, make me a praiser. I, I, don't, make me, don't make me a millionaire if you want, fine, but that's not my prayer. Don't make me good looking. If you want, that's fine. But God, I, I want to be a praiser. I want to be of the tribe of Judah that knows how to vanquish enemies simply by the praise that comes from their mouth. I want to learn, God, how to sing my new song unto you. Do you know that every person in this room has a new song? What's a new song? It's a song that's never been sung before. It's a song that you only you can sing. It's a song that just beautifies, example, it, it, it magnifies God. And so you'll catch me if you were ever to be in my truck alone. Many times my, my radio's not on, my music's not on. you catch me at different odd times. Oh God, I love you, Lord. Oh God, I praise you, God. 
Oh, I worship you, mighty God. I thank you for all that you've done in my life, oh Lord. Thank you that you brought me out of that situation there. And I thank you for bringing me through this situation over there. Oh God, I love you, oh Lord. I magnify you. I glorify you. I praise you, oh God. And when you praise him, there's something the Bible says that he's looking. His eyes go to and fro amongst the earth where he can find someone that lifts him up and praise and worship. And when he finds that person, he locks into it. He takes a chair. He sits down. He goes, come on. Let's do this together. I made you a priest and a king. Let's do something great with the life you got left. Oh, do I got any praisers here this morning? Are there anybody that can stand up and give God some praise? Is there anybody in this house that can begin to give God some glory and some praise? Come on, aren't you glad and thankful for what he's done? Aren't you grateful for where he brought you from? My God is good. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. I love you, Lord. I praise you, God. I magnify you, God. I glorify you, Lord. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. 
Amen. Well, we are so glad that you decided to spend your Sunday with us. We just want to encourage you to take communion over here on your left. And we would love to see you next Sunday. Y'all have a great week.